Welcome back to Talk of the Town on 99.7 and 1450 WHTC on WHTC.com and on the WHTC app for your smartphone. Once again, here's your host, Gary Stevens. Welcome back to Talk of the Town for this Wednesday, January 17th. Once a month, we catch up with things going on at Community Action House. And today, we are joined by its executive director, Scott Rumsa, on the other side of our table this morning. Scott, good morning and Happy New Year, sir. Good morning, Gary. Happy New Year to you and to all your listeners out there as well. If you got a question about what's going on at Community Action House, Scott, after all, he's the boss, should know and have an answer for you at 616 395 1450 395-1450. Scott, before we talk a little bit about 2023 and what the Action House did and look ahead to what the Action House would like to do in 2024, I need to address basically some pressing issues as of right now. Mm-hmm. We are in the throes of a very strong winter storm. Uh, we've had six straight days of snowfall bitterly cold temperatures and with community action house on the front lines of those who are the most vulnerable in these situations i would assume it's an all hands on deck situation for community action house to address the needs of those that are needing things in this cold weather yeah i tell you gary these are these are challenging times um when big weather events happen when the cold happens for you know, families like my own, I get to build snowmen in the backyard and have some extra fun jumping around in the snow and then get back inside and get warm. Um, but for our teams, uh, especially our outreach team that works with our houseless neighbors who are on the streets, in cars, um, it is all hands on deck. And it is time to like lean into care, lean into compassion, and in the recognition that we don't do it alone, nor do we believe we can or ought to. We work in partnership with Holland Police Department, with the Crisis Intervention Team, uh, with Gateway Mission, with Good Sam, and with so many others that are all all hands on deck trying to solve to be that creative expression of community care and compassion for our neighbors in need. Because again, big events like this uh, fall most severely and impact most greatly our neighbors with the most instabilities and challenges. Um, Those are our houseless neighbors. Some entities that are called upon to provide repairs and services Mm -hmm. in situations such as this, I'm thinking of consumers' energy to have the crews out when power goes out mm-hmm. or uh, uh, hospitals maybe needing to have extra staff on hand to deal with people who might be injured or mm-hmm. dealing with the cold and hypothermia. Does Community Action House and other nonprofits prepare mm-hmm. for a situation such as we've had over the last week? Yeah, so we, we work with folks um, – in the emergency planning departments of both the city and the county. And so there have been a couple of coordinating calls on those that are happening regularly during events like this. And one of the things that a lot of entities do, which is establish like, you know, safety and warmth plans for what if there are big power outages? What if there are energy shutoffs in homes that can't heat themselves anymore? And so where do those neighbors go? And so, you know, warming center lists are published for those as well as, you know, groups like ours that have like clothing access and warm goods access for families that might have a fire because fires when people are 
heating their homes in different ways can be pretty catastrophic this time of year. So we've helped people out in the past with uh, clothes, blankets, and kind of reestablishing themselves in their family life if there is a house fire in environments like this. But then where we as a direct um, human services organization really lean in, it's like, how do we prioritize service for those who even in normal times, have no other place to go. So our neighbors who are living on the streets or living in cars. And so as this storm was approaching last week, you know, we adjusted our staff's hour and extended what we did to start to reach out to the 270 plus different neighbors who are without homes right now in the greater Holland area and didn't have a place to go. So we worked with them to try to create a safety plan, to try to access resources, try to move into shelter for those for whom it fit. And then we were really grateful to have other partners, you know, come around side um, where Gateway Mission is open 24-7 and we worked with them. And, you know, I just got a report of, you know, four different neighbors who uh, believed that they couldn't fit there, they that they wouldn't be able to uh, show up again to attempt another stay. And we talked to our, our partners at Gateway and they, we worked it out and they were able to show up and we were able to get those folks over there. And that's fantastic. They were able to get inside. But we also know that for other neighbors, there wasn't a solution that worked in our community. During prior weather events, we've actually moved people over to Kent County and elsewhere where there was a shelter or an option that worked for them. But right now, the shelters are full in Kent County as well. And so we're really grateful in this community. We had a couple churches step up when they recognized that people were still outside, people that didn't have another option right now. Um, and so First United Methodist Church actually opened up uh, a 24-hour temporary shelter, and it's all volunteers there where our team showed up to provide some expertise and case management along the side. And their first night open, they had 16 people that had no other place to go step inside and sleep on the floor of their church gymnasium right there. Uh, I know Hope Church sent some volunteers, and different entities are each stepping up in their own way, and there's a lot of organizing behind the scenes to try to ensure nobody is sleeping outside uh, right now. But that's a challenge, and it's a big thing that takes working together. Another thing that has to be pointed out is dealing with the Community Action House's food club. Mm -hmm. I was in a grocery store Friday afternoon before the snows hit, and it was pretty hectic in that situation. I would assume that was the case with the food club, and that would also be a situation we better have extra supplies ready because we'll have more people coming in. We, we absolutely do, just like you'd experience at a grocery store, as you mentioned, Gary. We, right as the storm was coming, Thursday was an incredibly busy day as people got ready to try to hunker down for those um, neighbors who are financially insecure that rely on our food pantry but still have a home. It was, how do we get ready for this? And it's, go do your shop. Go to the pantry and try to access that food that your family's going to need for the weekend. So we were incredibly busy on Thursday. On Friday, we thought even though the schools closed down, you know, we worked to stay open as an emergency service. Um, we need to make sure the food's there. So uh, we stayed open until uh, one in the afternoon that day. And we sent a message to all our members saying, hey, if you're going to need food, please come to us before one. Um, and our volunteers still showed up and helped with us. And we were open again on Saturday. Um, and so, yeah, that takes some extra effort. We have to uh, adjust some schedules with staff and volunteers that are further away. Um, those volunteers that are a bit closer in are able to come. Those staff that are closer in are able to come. But we really work to make sure those important services stay open. And, and we're grateful for the different ways our community helps uh, us keep our shelves stocked through their donations, through their food drives, and just through volunteering, especially for those who are close and able to, you know, get there on site safely to, to keep our community services running. If you have a question for Scott Rumsa of the Community Action House, he'll be happy to answer it at 616-395-1450, 616-395-1450.
Scott, I was thinking of you and Community Action House in our previous segment when we had Jason Schenkel of the Ottawa County Department of Veterans Affairs mm -hmm. in with us. And we took a call from a person asking about food banks mm -hmm. for veterans. Mm -hmm. I was about ready to say, why don't you call Scott Rumsa when he comes in after 1030 to address that? Mm -hmm. uh, food banks, really veterans sometimes, and I, we've talked about this before uh, uh, when we had Cara in here, where sometimes it's kind of tough to swallow the pride mm -hmm. and realize, hey, I need help. Yes, it absolutely is. And I, I think two pieces to that I'd like to go into. The first is that dignity piece that you mentioned, Gary, and that is very important to us as an organization. Again, we live in a kind and com compassionate community, and some of our founding values we call it to be a place of radical welcome and compassion for our neighbors in their time of need. And that looks like when we created our food club, we really wanted to prioritize dignity, participation, and choice for all of our neighbors. For those that might feel there's too much stigma or too much shame to go to something that looked and set up like more like a traditional food pantry, uh, more traditional emergency service, we wanted it to look, feel, and operate like a grocery store so that those folks without enough money, and it might be the veteran you're speaking of, that might not have relied on traditional emergency services, can still feel human, have some choice, have participation in that. And if they're bringing their kids they can still have a little conveyor belt that moves. They can still have the dignity of walking around and choosing what's right for them and their family. So that really matters. The second part of your question is like on veterans in particular. And I would note, um, you know, a lot of veterans, you know, in our county, and, and that's something that we're all proud of. And there are a lot of veterans in our service mix, um, you know, both uh, experiencing a number of instabilities. Sometimes it might just be financial instability, somebody looking for an extra hand and way forward at our food club. Uh, and sometimes it's somebody looking, you know, to try to solve in housing access. And our team, especially housing counselors, are skilled in partnering with people that can um, help uh, connect them with resources that exist just for veterans. There are different veterans, housing benefits or opportunities um, for home ownership pathways, for instance, that our team regularly work with veterans to steer them towards things they might not been aware of. Um, and so we can be a big part of that bridge in this county as we all work together to serve all neighbors uh, in need on a way forward, but especially those veterans. Again, if you have a question for Scott Rumsa of the Community Action House, 616-395-1450, 616-395-1450. Scott, let's take a look back at uh, 2023. Ideally, in an ideal world, it would be a case of Community Action House has to shut down because there's nobody that needs service. <laughs> that would be in an ideal world where... Scott, thank you very much, and we don't need Community Action House. Unfortunately, that's not reality. And 2023 was a busy year, wasn't it? it? It was a busy year, and I want to start with that, and that is the exact right mindset, and I share that with you, Gary. And, you know, the human services field, the nonprofit field, you know, uh, we believe is critical right now in the world as things are, but it is not the world as it should be or the community as it should be. And if we get to a state where everybody is earning enough to meet their own needs and moving forward, I want to be the one to pull that, the, you know, the cord on the confetti cannon, you know, and we can all have that parade downtown that we, we've solved that. And that's something we want to work towards together. But in the world and community as it is right now, which is what we uh, address, there are far too many out there for whom their income does not meet the cost of essentials, the cost of housing, the cost of health care, food, transportation, child care for those with kids. That cost of essentials has continued to rise at a rate that's greater 
than the increase of income uh, for those living on a fixed income, Social Security or seniors, or for those working on the lower end of the income spectrum. So those expenses, those essentials um, are pretty pricey out here in this wonderful community we have. They're pricey because a lot of people want to live here. But that means folks that are working retail, folks that are home health care aides, home, folks that are might have worked here their entire lives but are now relying on Social Security, they are struggling to cover those essentials for their lives. So it was a busy year as some of those extra government supports that were some of those families were relying on that had been a lifeline for a couple of years were rolled back. And community philanthropy tried to step up to still partner with those families so they could hold it together moving forward. Um, so yes, it was a busy year. It was an impactful year. And one thing I like to share is, you know, we are always that expression of community compassion. None of what we do or none of what we achieve is possible without a community that believes in us and our work and shows up alongside us. So last year, the thing I celebrate most of all is we had over a thousand different volunteers for our first time ever volunteer with our programs. And that is a huge growth in the number of people that choose to roll up their sleeves and to do this work together. And that's what makes big numbers and big service possible. Good morning. You're on the line with Scott Rumsa of Community Action House. Uh, good morning. Um, I'm a volunteer with Refresh, and uh, I've been there from basically the beginning, which uh, will be five years in February, and it has totally evolved since that time. Um, and we have such a wonderful, wonderful collaboration with your outreach team. They're just the greatest people. Um, so you mentioned Monday night that our doors over there at First United Methodist Church were open, and we had 16 people sleeping there on Monday night. Last night we had 24 people, and our guests have been very appreciative and wonderful. Um, hopefully we're able to make a plan that we're thinking of trying to do something like that for a more permanent solution uh, for our people. And I just want to let people know that if you want to make a real difference in people's lives, just volunteer with Refresh or donate to Refresh or to the Community Action House. Thank you so much for calling and for making that comment. And more than that, thank you for being there with our friends at First United Methodist Church and out and uh, and Refresh for the last five years. You guys are an incredibly special and important part of our community and its expression of care, and you fill an incredibly critical gap, um, a place of welcome and inclusion for all of our neighbors with housing instabilities, without a place to call home, and especially what you've done this week, as I was mentioning to Gary, um, opening up that first night was 16. I didn't have the updates on, on what the second night was, up to 24 different folks that had been trying to make do in a car or a tent. That's a really big deal, and I, I want to thank you so much for that. Um, and to your other point, um, Refresh is a church and volunteer-run expression of welcome and care. Our team partners with them to provide on-site case management to help guide some of those services. Um, but really, if you're looking to volunteer, either I or or Refresh's Facebook page can put you in touch with uh, how to get involved. So look at communityactionhouse.org. We can direct you to how to volunteer at Refresh if you're interested, um, or I know Refresh runs its own Facebook page. So want to reiterate that. Um, to your point of longer-term solutions, um, we think when folks like you at Refresh step up and get to know our neighbors and those who are falling through gaps in our community, um, identify these things and lean forward, that is how change begins to happen. And the more and more folks um, see reality as it is and see the gaps in our community um, and work to start addressing those together, I believe we can accomplish even more. So I, too, look forward to a future where we have more options um, and more housing success pathways for our neighbors in need. And you guys are a big part of that. So thank you. And thank you very much for the call.
One other question, Scott, and I just was thinking about this when you mentioned the fact of people staying in tents and in vehicles. Mm -hmm. What should somebody do if they do notice, say, someone parked on their street mm -hmm. that looks suspicious vehicle, and it's not really suspicious, just, again, mm -hmm. somebody needing a place to, to stop, mm -hmm. or they have some acreage mm -hmm. and they notice a tent in a remote area, mm -hmm. should they call the action house or is it more of a case of call the authorities first and then mm -hmm. they get you guys involved? Well, right on our website, we have a phone number that goes directly to our outreach team. And I would recommend reaching out to our outreach team to let us know. Um, chances are we might already know that individual, where they often park, where they are. But if we don't, we often get referrals many times directly from our friends at Holland Police or the Chrysler Intervention Team, but sometimes directly from community members. Hey, do you know the family that seems to be over here? Do you think they're okay? We might know them. We might not, but we will send a car and a team, uh, and we will work to connect with them, and we will try to connect them with services towards shelter success, towards housing success, and that's how we do our work. So right on our website, um, if you look for our program team or outreach team, you'll see uh, you'll see a phone number, and you can connect us directly. And, of course, you can... Um, uh, you can also, if you happen to see them and you're in a conversation, they're our neighbors too. Have a conversation. Ask them how they're doing. Ask them if they have a place to sleep that night um, and, you know, encourage them, you know, head to the mission. Have they connected with, uh, with outreach uh, yet at Community Action House? If they haven't, let them know you can put them in touch, you know, and uh, we would love to be working with them to try to find a way forward. Scott, before we take a look ahead to 2024, I do want to get your thoughts about a story that crossed our wires mm -hmm. earlier this week. Inflation slowed in 2023 while Americans continue to spend at the grocery store. Average weekly grocery spending is highest in California, followed by Nevada, Mississippi, Washington, and Florida. Households in Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska, Indiana, and Michigan spend the least on groceries. But here's the kicker. Averaging $220 to $230 per week. Mm -hmm. And households with children who spend 41% more than households without kids. Uh, based on the recent, most recent data from the U.S. Census Household Pulse Survey. I see the $220 to $230 per week on the low end. Scott, that <laughs> I just shake my head on that. I really do. Yes. And, you know, from earlier in our conversation, when I was talking about that basket of essentials that people really, there's not that much more they can cut. And people say, well, cut expenses. Like you need to pay your rent to keep your family housed. You need to keep your car in working order so you can get to and from work and get your kids to and from school, depending on where they're at. And you need to keep good food on your table or even just food on your table. And so there's only so much economizing that can be done right now because those things are expensive and increasingly so. And so those numbers, uh, while I wish they were a bit less, they do not surprise me. We see that all the time when our teams sit down with people and they go through their budget and they see what they're spending. Um, those, those numbers are not surprising. And for families that have a couple of kids, I mean, we all know what kids can eat. Um, uh, for those of us that, uh, that have had kids in our households and family and, uh, that can really put an extra strain on family budget. So that's a lot of what we step into the gap. We say food need is a leading indicator of financial struggle. So if families are struggling to put food on the table with that 200, 220 a week uh, uh, average spend that you just mentioned, um, they find their way to us and we can help them stretch their food budget. But at the same time, you know, we really say it starts with food, but we start to work with them on like, 
We've just done their budget. We know where their income's coming from. We know what else they're spending on. And we can start to work on a pathway forward. How do we stabilize? How do we contemplate, you know, maybe an upskilled workforce path? And with our partnerships at Laoop right now, we are working with people um, on a workforce development program because we want people to be able to adjust the income side of that equation um, as much as the expense side of that equation because that is key for long-run stability. And so there's a number of different things we're able to start to do while we meet that immediate healthy food need with dignity. Let's take a look ahead to 2024. And you mentioned the partnership with La Oop in that last uh, response there, Scott. What initiatives, what objectives, what priorities does Community Action House have for 2024? Well, there's you know, there's a couple on the food side that I'd start with. And the first one that'll be uh, a really interesting one that we've been a while in planning is later this summer, uh, we received a grant from outside of the state from our friends at United Healthcare um, to build uh, what's called a Food Club Fresh Express. And what that is is a mobile market um, that is a custom-built RV that will look like kind of a, a mobile food market. So the wall will open up and it will be just all fresh produce and healthy food with that high-dignity, high-choice experience that we try to prioritize at Food Club. But that's the ability to take it on the road to go to some lower income communities and outlying areas where there's a preponderance of need and to solve some of that transportation challenge. People that can't make it into food club all the time because we're right here in the middle of Holland, we'll be able to take that on the road to go into maybe some of the communities uh, where there's a preponderance of need um, and to offer that service on a weekly basis. So again, that higher dignity, high choice, healthy food access for them and their families, as well as a pathway with some tables right there to register for our other services to connect them to that wider, um, uh, uh, that wider pathway to support. So that's one of those things that we're excited about that you'll see maybe later this year. Maybe we'll get that truck around and in the Labor Day parade if we have it in time, which would be really good. Um, the second thing is we're really trying to lean into expanding our nutrition education programming and partnerships. Uh, we are adding kind of a healthcare uh, partnerships and pathway manager that we're soon recruiting. And by this summer, uh, we intend to like try to streamline some of those pathways that are already taking place, but to really try to maximize and optimize the outcomes or the health impacts of a food club membership for those that our healthcare partners are screening as both food insecure and having a nutritionally relevant health condition like diabetes or hypertension or other challenges. And so sometimes when our healthcare partners screen folks like that, they're able to suggest, why don't you go show up here? Or why don't you go try to get services there? We really wanna shape that path to make it more convenient for the healthcare partners, as well as for those neighbors. And then to try to measure the progress in, in managing some of those chronic conditions. And like we've seen with some people, reversing some of those pre-diabetes diagnosis through some of our healthy at home training and programming, as well as healthy food access. If you want more information about Community Action House, not only what they provide, how they can help you, and just as important, how you can help them, either financially or through human capital, you can contact Community Action House at 616-392-2368, 616-392-2368, or go online to communityactionhouse.org. That is Community Action House. Org. Scott Rumsa goes by fast, but there's a lot to talk about. We appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much, Gary. Scott Rumsa of the Community Action House on 99.7 and 1450 WHTC. CBS News, Steve Kathan, straight ahead, followed by WHTC News. We'll have some birthdays, news off the beaten path, 
And Barb Visser will be in with the Evergreen Commons report before we step aside for the WHTC Midday Report at the bottom of the hour on 99.7 and 1450 WHTC.